0: energize the lawn friend podcast is brought to you by hustler hollywood your one-stop shop for all things erotica with 11 stores across the united states our sexy shelves are stocked with dvds books lingerie vibrators butt plugs lubricants fetish gear and bachelorette party supplies at hustler hollywood we know that sex is free we only sell the accessories if you're at our flagship store in the sunset strip located across the street from the world famous rainbow roxy and whiskey mention energize and you'll get a delicious discount on something delightfully dangerous lf and lf lawn friend and larry flint energetically connected for more than 30 years
1: Scotty, energize energize
2: energize the lawn friend podcast i'm your host lawn friend i used to run a heavy metal magazine my heart is soft my veins are getting metal <laughs> <laughs> it's february 17th 2014 i am in the uh i am in the san pedro studio i'm not on skype i'm clear and near so i'm going back and forth between uh between LA and Las Vegas, I'm I'm bouncing, and I had uh, had some Prague shows to go to this weekend. Musical box, um, Genesis tribute band, seventies French Canadians. Unless you get it, you won't get it. So I'm not even gonna go into it too deeply, except to say uh, it was fucking epic. <laughs> okay, that's all I could say. If you're my age. And you were in your room spinning the vinyl, you know, listening to Selling Them by the Pound or Foxtrot when you were 17, 18 years old. Then then you had an orgasmic weekend. If not, you're just going, dude, what the fuck is Lawn talking about, man? I thought he was like metal. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so I want to turn you on to something. I. I'm very proud to uh, have composed uh, my first feature cover story for a Las Vegas magazine since I relocated back to the desert recently. And it's Vegas 7 magazine. It's a beautiful weekly. It's fucking way cooler and way more substantive than the other weekly in the city. And uh, weeklies in other towns. And the uh, story is on uh, my friend, Chef Carrie Simon, the rock and roll chef who is battling a uh, debilitating condition called, s uh, excuse me, M-S-A, multiple system atrophy. It's an aggressive and rare form of Parkinson's disease. Carrie Simon was the first rock and roll chef 20 years ago, Rolling Stone magazine gave him that moniker you can turn on the tv and see 50 rock and roll chefs now rock stars you know dudes with their own shows well carrie was the guy he was at the edwardian uh, room at the uh, plaza hotel in new york and he was cooking for bianca jagger and debbie harry and and david bowie asked imani to marry him in his kitchen and then he opened restaurants in miami and came to Las Vegas in 1997, opened Prime, the Bellagio Hotel, and then where I met him in 2004 and five at the uh, Simon at Kitchen at the Hard Rock when I was the spleef notes editor, uh, writer for um, HRH, Hard Rock Hotels, in-house magazine. It's in sweet demotion for those, the handful of you who've read my second book, but this piece is about carrying and his, uh, it's kind of a legacy piece, sort of. And uh, I worked on it for a couple of months because he's he's, uh, he's an important figure and he's so well-loved. They're having a benefit for him on February 27th. Sammy Hagar's going to play. Alice Cooper's going to play. Vince Neal's going to play. Todd Rundgren's going to play. Uh, Slash is coming in. These are all friends, and he's got a lot of love. So, vegas7vegas7.com is where you can find my piece. I'm real proud of it. It's good to be writing again about something other than myself. I battle narcissism every day of my life. It's hard being a humble Leo. Energize is my podcast. I'm really excited tonight because coming up is, uh, one of my favorite characters from the long, my long career uh, in rock journalism, the, uh, founding guitarist of Faith No More, Jim Martin. He's calling in soon, and we're gonna have a lively chat, guaranteed, because he's a lively guy. And what else? Uh... Oh well, okay. So I I I'm real spontaneous on this program, as you know. I don't come very scripted. And my Long Beach girl Danielle, blonde, who I took to see the Foo Fighters a couple of years ago. She's uh, she's one of my favorite chicks here in Long Beach. She and she's hockey hardcore. Hi, Danny. Hi. She's hardcore. Right. Um, I guess. She loves um, hockey, <laughs> dude. Who gave me my Kings hat? I did. Thank you. The uh, the year they won the Stanley Cup.
1: 92, 93. Oh, the year they won 2012. 2012. Yeah, yeah. Now I became a fan the first year that they went to the finals. They didn't win though.
2: No. Well, it takes a while to to get there. It's it's not the destination. <laughs> what do you think of, of of uh of the season they're having now so far? They, 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 There was a period in a couple weeks ago where they scored like two goals in eight games.
1: Yeah, they went through a slump, and fortunately, it was the time that I was in Brazil for three <laughs> weeks, so I didn't really have to suffer too much. But um, especially the back-to-back games, I guess, against the Ducks and the yeah. the Dodger uh, Stadium Dodger Stadium, game.
2: where where the uh, the p- in-between period entertainment was kiss.
1: Yeah, I heard they have a new indoor hockey arena or an indoor football team
2: yeah who gives a shit about that what's more important is they have a miniature golf course in las vegas
1: Oh, i didn't know
2: and i really could care less about that either i uh i think that they're all just like commercial distractions or they're gene and paul are so bored they just need to do things they have rock and bruise restaurants they're making money hand over fist that's what they've always done but who? But who really concerns myself with their commercial ventures? Their fans want to see them rock. That's it. And they were good in between, at at Dodger Stadium. They were good. At, you know, I saw Kiss at Dodger Stadium. Psycho mm. Circus Stuart.
1: I didn't see your ticket stub for that. Two thousand.
2: Oh yeah, Danny. She when I was in Long Beach, she was going through my archives. She She's organizing my archives, and she she put all my ticket stubs in. She created some kind of a... What a uh, Spreadsheet. What,
1: spreadsheet. She, yeah. I'm organized. She
2: created a spreadsheet <laughs> for my shit.
1: For your inventory. Oh, I
2: love some of the questions. So... Well, tell me some of the questions as you were going through my stuff. What were the more interesting things you found going through my tubs?
1: Oh, I don't know. Britney Spears keychain. Um, I don't. Look, who gave me that? <laughs> I think it was something you took your daughter to. No, it was no, Spice Girls right. keychain. Yeah. Big
2: difference between the Spice Girls who were fucking great. Excuse tell me, me what you Sorry. want, what you really, really want. Excuse. Did You didn't have a daughter who was a eight or nine at the time when Spice World came out. It was like seeing Help or Hard Day's Night. It was awesome. Okay. okay, and I took Megan to see The Spice Girls at the <laughs> forum, and she stood on my shoulders. You know, she only weighed about forty pounds then. And it's not Britney Spears.
3: <laughs> Fuck,
2: you know this is funny because I flew from uh, be- from Vegas to L.A. and I was in the airport at Southwest Terminal at in Las Vegas, and waiting for my flight, and I'm on the phone and I'm I'm telling somebody what I'm. You know what I've got going in LA and I mentioned Teresa Flint's name she's the sponsor, you know hustler Hollywood sponsor of my show And I and I love her I've known her since she was 14 and she's she runs a nice piece of the Flint Empire <laughs> she's awesome and, uh, and 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 this and in my phone call this this pretty hot girl sitting there next to me says did you did you say Teresa Flint I said yeah wow that's really kind of odd because I I did the uh December twenty twelve Hustler cover. I went, Really? <laughs> cool. And then we stuck up a conversation. Her name is Whitney. And mm. she pulls up on her Facebook page the cover and I go, Hey, that's the Lita Ford issue. I know that issue. Do you do you understand synchronicity? Um kinda. So I then I went into the whole Lawn Sage wisdom rap and had was way Mm-hmm. I, I lost her, but then I, I guess I reeled her back in because she came to lunch with me and Teresa
1: yesterday. She was on your frequency somehow. And yeah, now. she wasn't. She just didn't know that. I know mm-hmm.
2: Whitney. So uh the reason I um I, I I I wandered into her for some reason to make a point, and now I've lost the point. I was flying and I oh, fuck, who cares? Exactly anyway, Danny. So <laughs> You were in South Amer- you said that you were in South America when um when the kings were shitting. Yes. Okay, so what were you doing down there?
1: Um, I was fulfilling like a bucket yeah, a bucket list trip, so I'd always wanted to go down to Brazil, but I kind of hesitated because it's one of those countries that, you know, it's not really built for tourists and the infrastructure and, you know, they do have a reputation for, you know, violence. and.
2: Well, Matt Sorm told me stories <laughs> about the, first, the Guns N' Roses Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo and, Chile that, that Rock in Santiago. Rio that
1: year that Guns N' Roses played changed a lot of people's lives in Brazil. Uh, that's for sure. You, you I can know, you that. I, <laughs> I did
2: a book proposal for Matt Storm. He never got a book deal, but I have hours of stories and they're fucking great stories. His first gig ever was in front of like 100,000 people at Rock and Rio. That was the first time he picked up the sticks. Maybe somebody's
1: got to make a a nice table, like a coffee table book about Rock and Rio, 1991, because Guns N' Roses, Faith No More, my friend who's the drummer of a, a band that I'm now you know, representing here in the States, who I was visiting in Brazil. Actually, you know, he said he was waiting up as a little kid to see Guns N' Roses and was blown away. I mean, to tie this in to Jim Martin, he was blown away when Faith No More took the stage at that 91 Rock in Rio. And that's my dream one day is that I'll make it to Rock in Rio. Well,
2: you, you, you have, uh, you're kind of like, working with this band well, tell them they're called Project 46
1: yeah they're Project 46 and they're, they're heavy they are she's they're, been playing me shit <laughs> they're very heavy they're actually like metalcore so um, they're really modern metal stuff and they sing in Portuguese but most people that I play it for they don't even notice it until I mention it later like hey did that bother you at all it wasn't in English well when you're
2: growling like blood is coming out of your nostrils you really don't care what language it is yeah I know exactly. it's that cookie monster stuff
1: <laughs> Yeah, Portuguese, you know, it sounds good when you're singing, you know, metal and the, the yeah. anger and Yeah. So, um well, I visited a friend and things worked out and you know, I, you know, so that I'd do, you know, my best here to get their their name out
2: and Yeah, to... you're 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 like the head of the street team and sort of like the US rep. That's me. So, yeah, listen, yeah, we'll listen for Project 46. Yeah. Maybe if you're really nice to me, I might even play a song.
1: Really nice. All right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, not Let me come
1: much. over and rub your shoulders then.
2: Okay. Well, what are, we, what are you, Robin Quivers?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's my version of being nice, I guess. I mean.
2: I never asked you for massages. I just asked you to organize <laughs> my ticket stubs. <laughs>
1: I know. And I did that. So I was nice. You said you'd <laughs> yeah, if you, I, if I
2: am nice. But the fa- when Oh, this is what. Okay. Thank you. Yes. So I'm talking to this Whitney, and she, and then she and she I go, "Who are your favorite bands?" And she goes, "Guns and Roses, Metallica." I go, "Well, I have some history with them." And I whip up a couple photos, and then all of a sudden, she's like, "Her nipples are hardening, and everything is cool." And I said, "Well, um, what have you seen lately?" She goes, "Well, I saw Britney Spears," <laughs> oh, and and I go, well, Yeah, I paid a thousand dollars." I said, "Are you psychotic?" She goes, "Well, you know, I thought she would like be really cool and da- and she would dance and and." and she goes, because I like to see shows. I don't mind spending money, but she's not good. And I said, Really? You just got the memo? Yeah, yeah she, yeah, didn't she see that she's MTV kind of sloppy. <laughs> she, was, she was kind of slow and she didn't. She, sloppy. Yeah, and, and I don't think she was singing. I go, Well, a little know. wonky eye sometimes. Yeah, even. well, that's not. I go, Look, girl. And then she starts to tell me, you know, I'm texting, when we land, I got to text my dad your name, because my dad played Judas Priest for me when I was like seven years old. He used to wake me up in the morning with Judas Priest. I said, yeah, he probably knows me. So she texted her dad when we land and Mm -hmm. stuff. And he says, oh, yeah, he's got Guns N' Roses and Metallica stories. Mm -hmm. I I know that guy. I know that guy. And, And I'm saying, would you not say anything... I'm uncomfortable with daughters talking to their dads about me, especially in airport terminals.
1: Yeah, unless you have a Janis Joplin story, then my dad probably wouldn't be interested in, in anything. Well,
2: the ghost.
1: The The ghost of Janis Joplin. You, oh, yeah, you maybe. Read, you read? Yeah, I actually stayed at that hotel, too. My, my cousin strangled me at that hotel. Yeah, Highland Gardens. Yeah, so we call her the hillside garden strangler, my cousin yeah. who tried to strangle me.
2: That's the Pearl Normal activity chapter we
1: got her all yeah. crazy i don't know yeah okay <laughs>
2: cool well because i'm in a really fucking giving mood tonight i'm gonna play a song from your project 46 i'm yeah. gonna warm up the crowd for metal stories with jim martin
1: and let me just tell you pay attention to the ending guitar solo
2: because it's my favorite okay we're not biased are we this is energize the lawn friend podcast with danielle and project 46 <laughs> energize the lawn friend mosh pit. welcome <laughs> wow danny that's pretty fucking good yeah that, that's your boy drumming pretty hard back there huh
1: um actually the drummer that's my friend he's drumming on the new album he was in a hardcore band before oh, so okay that was their former drummer and now they have a better drummer
2: yeah but the shredder's in the band right the guitar player?
1: Yeah, everybody else is the same, the singer, okay. both the uh, guitar play- players, the um, bass player. Okay,
2: so that's violencia gratura, which I would say means vo- rit- gratuitous violence. Correct. Hey, okay, wh- what are the lyrics? Since so, so you probably <laughs> learned port- Portuguese in the last few weeks.
1: Um, that's gratuitous violence, yeah. I don't know the lyrics to that what one What inspired
2: by that? Wh- wh- is their music inspired by anger? Are they angry with the system? Are they pissed at the the division of rich and poor in Brazil. Is that what they're singing about?
1: They are, they actually, you know, that's a lot of their lyrics are about like social injustice, what's going on right now with the people. And you know, a lot of people think that Brazil is like, you know, a happy place um and that's actually because their
2: economy's so strong <laughs>
1: yeah but they're positive people they like to have fun and stuff but the, when it comes down to it they are really you know tight with their friends and their family because the fact that they can't trust people outside of that they can't trust the government they can't trust the police they can't trust sound like
2: america um
1: yeah they can't trust the media i mean yeah it's the same thing you know 10 <laughs> companies own you know a 100 of the mm-hmm. you know you know media outlets, so it's okay. the same thing. The rich people own the media. Um, the people that work in government pay themselves so well to do nothing that it's it's a whole system that's stuck. And, you know, it's really brewing up right now, especially with, you know, access to the internet and people talking. And so, yeah, their next album, it, it's really going to be... Do think there's going
2: to be a revolution in Brazil?
1: Um, I think it's on the verge, actually. Because, and crazy
2: stuff's going to happen at the, uh, at, at the um, World Cup?
1: I don't think crazy against tourists, but I think that Brazilians are going to let their country know that they're fed up. As much as they love soccer, they really don't want their money being spent, billions and billions of dollars, to go to a soccer stadiums that they built, you know, specifically, for the world cup right. five of which of the 10 or 11 that they're building will never be used for anything else Well, what do they do again? with what
2: are they doing with the stadiums when they're done
1: that that most of them already they're have are not like stadiums. portable. No, that's what they're saying. Oh, we'll use them for conventions. But the thing is, those other places that they're having them, they're not used to having you know <laughs> those kind of events. And and so it is. It's going to be like a you know really something to pay attention to because you know people there. There's a lot of violence against people from the police. Um, there's all a, right. It's it's not did all. Did you read
2: Rip <laughs> magazine?
1: I did. It was my favorite. How old were you? Um. When I first started, probably 13, yeah, my best friend actually wrote a letter of the month um, about Motley Crue, and I only discovered was it. Was it published? Yes. She was letter of the month. Come on. It, it was about the breakup of Motley Crue or something like so, that. So,
2: okay, so I must have approved that.
1: Yeah, I guess you did. Yeah, so, sure. And, uh, yeah, and we found out later on. I'm like, you're that Jennifer Kay from Oceanside? <laughs> I,
3: like,
1: I didn't know there was another metal chick out there. <laughs> really? And we became best friends. Well,
2: what, what do you... What were some of your favorite articles? Do you remember?
1: Oh, I mean, I have the Faith No More issue still. I mean, I think Rip Magazine was the first magazine that put a band that never had released an album before with Guns N' Roses, right? So, I mean, anything with Guns N' Roses. I mean, I liked all kinds of metal. I liked everything from Skid Row to Testament to Overkill and stuff like that. So I like the full range. Yeah, you're a Long Beach metal (laughs) chick. Well, I grew up in San Diego, so... look, well, you're but, San Diego. Um, now, I, I now belong to Long Beach.
2: Okay. Well, I wish you the best of luck with your band. Thanks for having you, me in. Yeah, you could stick around and watch me interview GM. Thanks. It won't be much of an <laughs> interview. it be more like a conversation between two old, guy, old mm. friends. I look forward to it. Yeah, he's a good guy. Thanks, Lon. Okay, so... Ciao. All right. Okay, so, Daniel... Well, don't... Just, you know, hang out. Uh, what else do I want to tell you? I had something else to tell you. Oh! I also had the same issue of Vegas 7. I also wrote about the Beatles because I saw the love show. And, and I really enjoyed writing about the Beatles love show on February 9th. I saw it on the 50th anniversary. But you don't mean the Beatles. You're tired of hearing that. Somebody sent me this link to this. Like Paul McCartney's hair like the hairdresser who used to do Paul's hair is like ripping the new hairdresser cuz Paul's hair doesn't look good cuz it didn't look good on his on his uh his uh 50th anniversary performance. He's Paul McCartney. He's 70, you know, one or two years old. What what do you think? It's hair. Vanity never resonated with me. Well, I shouldn't say that because I did put a little dye in my beard. Don't tell anybody, okay? Nobody's listening. So my sister-in-law, she, Linda, she's like a virtuoso hairstylist, and I go by her shop and she said, You wanna make the gray go away? I can do it. We won't get radical. I said, Well, Mike Portnoy at the NAMM show said that I should put some blue and pink because he had he had some like bright blue going. He goes, he leaned over, he goes, Lon, you should do this, man. It'd be fucking hot. I said, as much as I respect you, Mike, um, both as a stick man and visually as a handsome fella from Long Island, New York, I think not. But it's—I went for the brown, and I didn't do it because, like, I have a reason. Like, I'm—I want to look young. I don't know why I did it, because it's because the only constant is change. I'm a Taoist. That's why. Let's play a song before Jim gets here. Let's play Faith No More song. Let's play let me think warm him up. Falling to pieces? Yeah. Let's play Falling to Pieces. And then when Jim comes on, we'll discuss how I've fallen to pieces. How about that? Energize Falling to pieces from the great faith no more. Man, that was a great track. Mike Patton on vocals. Gentle Jim Martin on guitars. I'm not gonna like say, hey, here's Jim Martin because he hasn't he's not on the phone yet. And you know me. I don't get fucking worried about shit. I just, he's gonna call. He's my bud. You know, it doesn't have to be precise. Why is, is life precise? Okay. Is it? If you're in the Olympics, it's precise. Somebody lost a medal yesterday by two one-thousandths of a second. That is too precise. That's too extreme. That's too much, man. And then again, Musical Box, Genesis Tribute Band from doing 70s. They're so precise The first night, the Steve Hackett guitar character wasn't wearing glasses because it was the Selling by the Pound tour. And the second night, the Foxtrot tour earlier, 72, was wearing glasses because that's the way it was because Hackett got contacts on the second tour. Precision. Let's talk about precision for a minute. How precise are you in your life? Are you anal? Are you like on time? Do people care if you're late? Oh, hold on a second. Oh, well, I'm getting a text, on that's not that's not true. What are your what's your priority, man? Are you are are you OCD? Are you are do you have issues? <sighs> anyway, I'll tell you something. When you when you start to work, when you when you spend weeks working. On a on a creative piece for somebody who is who has, who just can't walk like you anymore, who you feel a, a gratitude for being upright in the morning, and it gives you a whole sense of appreciation for what you got, because I hear people fucking complaining every day about their bullshit, their petty things, the fact that that you know they missed. The that the, the, their TiVo didn't tape the last Duck Dynasty issue. Yeah, really? Or you miss the Housewives of Orange County or the the Satan's Housewives on only on Bravo. I, i'm so i that guy's voice bugs me. only i'm bravo that guy's voice bugs me i don't watch bravo but somehow i had bravo on because i had to see something recently and then he the, the only i'm bravo <laughs> it's annoying i'm getting teed off a little bit now you know my back is starting to hurt dan you might have to rub it a little bit sitting in this chair waiting for rock stars to call it's a tough life I'm falling to pieces. Okay, what else? what else? What other things do I have going on? Oh, well, I have a list of things I want to, you know, like broach with Jim when he calls. Um, Nothing like too important because we're just going to have fun because that's what this show is. Energize. Oh, I changed my picture on Facebook. Finally got rid of the... Uh, of the Star Trek photo. Because really this isn't a Star Trek show. Yes, I was a sci-fi geek. Yes, I watched the show when it's first season, 1966. I was 10. It was on for three seasons. I watched it and I, I still, I'm still fond of the characters. I, uh, I have a great William Shatner story, but I'm not going to tell it. I'll tell it some other time. I hear Spock's old and not doing too well. And the, and I love the movies. The, the just 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 saw the uh, with my brother. We watched um, Into Darkness. That was good. That was really good. Um, Pop culture. Co- oh, so like on Wednesdays now, I'm going with my dad to the movies. You know, Tuesdays with Maury, It's Wednesdays with Donnie. My dad's 84, and he he goes to the. Uh, He goes to one of the hotels in the area in Summerlin because they have $4 senior specials on Wednesday. My dad's seen every film that's come out. He goes every Wednesday by himself, and I've gone with him the last three weeks. We saw Nebraska together, and, and, and and he says, I saw that Wolf of Wall Street. It was a little too much for me. I go, well, Pop, it's Martin Scorsese doing sort of a, A bold satire of how decadent it got. He goes, Well, uh, the language and the nude, the nude, it's just too much. Oh, hold on a second. Yes? You're not calling the studio line, Jim. Why? Do you have the studio number, Jim? We're on the air. Yeah, l- l- do you have the studio line? Call that number, the one I sent you today. Okay, I- I'll just keep I'm an, I'm faking it. Right. <laughs> okay, this is Great Radio. All right, talk to you in a couple. Bye. Okay, so that was Jim calling me on my cell phone to tell me that I'm in route. <laughs> I don't know if he's in Route 4. He's certainly not coming here physically because he's in Northern California. Would be fucking ghoul cool if he was, wouldn't it? But no, he's calling. Um, so I sent him the number. He said, it'll be a couple minutes, my man. So we're just going to... Danielle, you want to get back on the mic a second? Tell me sure. what your favorite Faith No More songs are.
1: Oh, geez, all of them. I'm huge. Pick Faith a couple. No More fan. Pick a couple. Um, well, let's see. I like Angel Dust. Yeah. I like um, Digging the Grave. I like Just a Man. I like yeah. All I like. Did you ever see him play li- a li- See um, him play a li- Yes. I saw their final farewell tour night night one, I believe, at the uh, Hollywood Palladium. I just flew back from Costa Rica that day. I landed at like six o'clock. I took the the train, the metro, back to Long Beach, got ready, and then drove up to Hollywood and saw Faith No More. Um, I saw them once at um, the Avalon, um, that was back in 97, and then I saw them in 95, right after King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime came out, they played Soma, and I actually crowd surfed for the first three songs, really? so yeah. And it when was- you
2: were crowd surfing... Were dudes mm-hmm. grabbing at your tits?
1: Um, actually, they try to stick their fingers up your naughty parts. Really? Yeah, so that's why like you want to make sure that you wear like jeans or like two pairs of jeans yeah. because they'll try to like give you a vaginal examination Probe. exactly. Wow. So and then like if you're not like a heavy person, then you can stay up there for like a while. So they they pass me around. Okay. But I just actually. <laughs>
2: Do you like getting passed around?
1: No, back in the day it was fun, but I actually crowd surfed like a year and a half ago at a AWOL Nation concert okay. my cousin in st louis
2: okay aren't and you getting a little old to crowds? yeah so? i
1: was gonna say the next day i felt like i was hit by a bus it was horrible like yeah, every yeah. single part of me hurt every yeah. single part of me and i was really hungover yeah so okay but now i love faith no more mike patton he's a genius musical god it okay. was his birthday the other day he's an aquarius
2: okay great hmm okay thanks you're welcome yeah what was the first album
1: of theirs yeah. um we care a lot or as the worm turns did you know courtney love was in faith no more for a blip
2: wow you didn't know that's that? good we're gonna ask jim that
1: yeah I, I think she did like one performance and then the other singer chuck mosley he was the guy that sang on the first two albums yeah and chuck mosley yeah,
2: It's a dirty job, but someone's exactly. got to do
1: it. so there's some good songs on those albums. But then, uh, from what I understand, I guess most of the real thing was already written, and they just got my... Well, Cotton. real thing
2: is, it, it, that's a groundbreaking record. It's a step above. I mean, okay. sonically, it's great. Yeah, Matt Wallace makes that record, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, you know
1: what I never really got was like, their comparisons to the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, hmm. maybe a little of the bouncy bass, but like... They were totally different.
2: They were different. Yeah, they were. They were a hybrid, re, true first hybrid. M- I think metal rap. Yeah, I think they were the first. Yeah, feels like if you go back but, the but, history.
1: But even now, I mean, Mike Patton can go anywhere, any. I mean, he can sing country, west western R and B. He speaks like fluent Portuguese, fluent yeah. Italian. I, I mean, took his, him
2: to his first photo session in the band.
1: I know you showed me the picture. Yeah, you had the top hat on.
2: I didn't have a hat on. Uh, no, that's the slash session. Oh you no, I took burly beard and glasses. He just he just didn't just joined the band. He didn't even have a photo with the band. Uh, I called La and I said, Faith No More's got a new singer and they need a photo session. He goes, Bring him over. And <laughs> Brought him over.
1: Yeah, I want to hear about the shit terrorism. Supposedly Mike Patton would do like on the road is like he'd put like fecal matter and stuff in like hair dryers and hotel. I find rooms. that
2: disgusting and not even worth talking about. Juvenile fecal, smelly, yeah. scatologically improper for even this program. Well, it's
1: kind of just intense to think that somebody right. would be doing something
2: like okay. that. All right. Hey, hey, Jim. Yes, sir? W- what is this th- shit stuff that Mike Patton did with shit? What do you mean, man? D- Danielle is, like, sitting here. She's a huge Faith No More fan. She said okay. he did shit f- pro- pro- kind of... P- shit terrorism. Terrorism. Terrorism.
4: Yeah, you don't he's uh doesn't really like to to talk about it anymore but uh yeah he had he had a shit fetish (laughs) for a long time Uh,
2: that's disturbing man
4: you know he did various experiments with the the human fecal matter (laughs) so i don't know you know i don't know what happened
2: that's not your cup of tea my friend
4: yeah you know i was trying to think about other things (laughs)
2: Ladies and gentlemen, this is Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. Jim Martin, founding guitarist of the Great Faith, no more, on the phone. Currently shredding with infectious grooves. Right on. How you digging that gig?
4: I like it, man.
2: You had a great show at the Whiskey recently, right?
4: You know, they're all uh, uh, good musicians, uh, you know, and everybody's having a good time, so it's pretty nice.
2: Who got on stage with you at the Whiskey recently?
4: I don't know. What do you mean?
2: You had a you had a couple like guests and Robert Trujillo get up there and stuff. Wasn't it like a reunion sort of thing?
4: No, man. He's that's part infectious groove.
2: Oh, I know, uh, I know.
4: Uh, Mike Muir, Dean Pleasant. Yep. Of uh, suicidal tendencies. Yep. Rob Trujillo. Yep. And uh, Stephen Perkins. Yep. Jane's Addiction. Yep. And yours truly at this time. <laughs> Oh, Jim. So there was no guests. I mean... Uh, no,
2: it's not. Name, it's the family.
4: Uh, there's a guy named Sarsipius <laughs> that gets on stage okay. in the infectious groove. Okay. And, you know, I'm still learning about all these guys. You know, they were together, and, you know, I'm sort of like a interloper. Yeah. This uh, Sarsipius, you know, this is a guy named Aladdin. And, uh, you know, he's just as much a part of the show as anybody else. Okay. But, you know, it's a pretty good vibe. We're, we're having a good time.
2: Do you remember the R.I.P. party where you guys performed with, uh, with Ozzy? Yes, I do. I, being the fact that I was the organizer and I was tied up, I never knew what was happening back behind the scenes or whether there was... Did that go smoothly? Can you tell me, because I don't know, 24 years later, how did that come together, that, that War Pigs jam?
4: I don't remember. Oh, good. I don't know. Just everybody was there, and we just did it, I guess.
2: And Hetfield got on stage too.
4: I can't remember. I think Kirk Hammett did too. Yeah,
2: it was it was pretty special.
4: And then Rob Trujillo told me he was there too.
2: <laughs> I don't even remember that.
4: Uh, you know, I don't. You know, I remember that you were behind the scenes, Lon, and you were back there with a little bottle, a golden bottle.
2: What are you talking about, Jim?
4: Of Baron von Jaeger.
2: Jim, I I do believe you're right that somebody brought back from Europe that stuff that had the honey in it, right? That was a Jägermeister with the honey in it?
4: Yeah, it's called Baron von Jäger. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, I don't know what it was, honey mead or something in this
2: yeah.
4: little golden bottle.
2: It seems like a long time ago, man, because I, I don't think I've had a shot of Jägermeister since that rip party.
4: Man, that must have been a good party.
2: <laughs> it was a good
4: party. And, you know, people were describing the, uh, uh, somebody was describing the the place where you had it.
2: The Hollywood Palladium?
4: No, was it at the Palladium?
2: Yes, yes.
4: They were describing some place, I don't know what it was, uh, Palace Hotel or something?
2: No, the one, the year before, Jim, was Guns N' Roses at the Park Plaza Hotel.
4: Park Plaza. That's right. Okay, I said Palace, so that's the Blues Brothers, huh? (laughs) <laughs> the uh, uh, Park Plaza, right? Uh, and somebody was describing that to me, and I said, "Man, I never remember seeing any of that stuff."
2: Yeah, that was '89, and GNR was warming up for the Rolling Stones shows at the Coliseum, and they played our party. Nice. Yeah, and and the and the fire department came in and threw out all the whole downstairs, a thousand guests, which included Alice Cooper and Steve I and several other notables.
4: <laughs> Why?
2: Because were, uh, we were over capacity, ca- we were over we were over capacity, man.
4: I find that hard to believe?
2: Yeah. Well, GNR went on stage at one fifteen in the morning and played till three thirty, and it was a pretty historic. And night. those are awesome parties. Yeah. That Mike Mike uh, Monroe got on stage and did Heartbreak Hotel that night and stage dove with with Duff. Wow. Did you enjoy those times? I mean, you toured with all those guys. You you toured with GNR. Did you enjoy those days on the road?
4: Sure, I did. There are all those guys were a good bunch of guys. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of good times together, you know. So.
2: Did Kirk Hammett? Did you and Kirk talk about licks ever? Playing.
4: You know, not. We, we talked about like guitar effects and stuff, <laughs> and you know other things. Cause you know, I, I'm I've known those guys for for Kirk. so long.
2: Because you're all from the same neighborhood in Northern California. You
4: Well, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I never met Kirk until the guys came from, came up from, uh, you know, the L.A. area. Right. So I never knew Kirk before that until, you know, Cliff joined uh, the Metallica. Right. And that's when I met all those guys.
2: hmm Well, that's those, that's a long time, man. It's yeah. Over 30 years now.
4: Yeah, so, you know, we weren't really talking about licks or anything we we're talking more about you know some other stuff yeah <laughs> uh, yeah it was good times yeah i enjoyed it very much
2: did you ever contemplate putting a memoir together
4: i do but you know i am uh you know what, how would you say it uh i have a a, a systemic problem with organization
2: <laughs> thank you
4: I don't know if it's because uh, I have uh, some sort of disability or what but you know I'm very have a big problem with with getting organized if I concentrate on getting organized I get sort of stopped up so what I have to do is get somebody to organize it for me and then maybe you know maybe we could we could do
2: something danielle in the studio is raising her hand she's very organized she put my archive together of ticket stubs and she's she said i'll help gm wow there you go dude and you don't have to pay her much cool yeah you could probably pay her in picks.
4: <laughs> awesome that's even more awesome <laughs> Guitar lessons maybe
2: guitar lessons right did you ever give guitar lessons
4: i never did See, once again, I'm not organized enough.
2: How did you learn to play? Organic, or you had it in your chops, or did did you get taught?
4: I was uh, into music before I played guitar. Right. Uh, I took, you know, some piano lessons when I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I played other musical instruments as well. I decided I wanted to play guitar in, uh, you know, I was in, like, seventh grade or something, so... I already had a music background, but mostly just self-taught. You know, I took some lessons for a little while just to get me started. And, uh, you know, I didn't see the point very quickly. I didn't see the point of taking lessons from somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I could learn pretty much anything by ear. So, And, you know, also I knew how to read music and all that, but I sort of, you know, stayed away from that when I started playing guitar.
2: How did the band form? How did they come together? The Faith No More in its in, in its original context.
4: Band got together. Uh, you know, I knew the uh, drummer. You know, Puffy. Yeah. And I knew him from he was from the neighborhood. He and uh, I and uh, Cliff, we were in a band together. You know, for a while. Mhm. And then we parted ways there, and you know things went. Went on and stuff, and then you know, Buffy was in another band, and then he talked to me about you know maybe considering uh, playing a gig with them. So that's how that happened. So that's how we got together. We went and played a gig at the Anti Club, Anti Helen. Right. At the Anti Club. Do you know where that place is?
2: Is is it in? It's is it downtown? Is it like?
4: Something like that. I like near the remember. tenderloin,
2: in the tenderloin, or somewhere around there. Yeah,
4: something like that.
2: Uh huh. I remember, sure.
4: And uh, that was the first show we played together. And that's how it, you know one thing led to the other, and then you know that's how it happened.
2: D- did did you do? Did you like get a following around San Francisco first? You had, you had Would you have like punk rock kids coming out?
4: Nah, it was more like seemed like it was more uh, like a uh, gothic oh. sort of, I think. Okay. They did have uh, a, a following, sort of a following.
2: Mm-hmm. What were you listening to as a kid that made you love music, that you wanted to pick up one of those crazy guitars?
4: Well, my the first record I ever bought was a Black Sabbath record. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I was big into uh, Led Zeppelin and... Jimi Hendrix, you know. Mm-hmm. And of course, all the old Motown, you know, that's all the stuff that I remember on the radio. Right. And, you know, the Beatles. Yeah. You know.
2: I know. That's where I started.
4: But uh, that's what I was listening to. You know, I was interested in some other things too. I always enjoyed listening to, you know, the classicals, the classic mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, I, I loved hearing the harpsichord and, you know, the. Mm-hmm. Pipe organ and that kind
2: of stuff. Right on. Oh. Did you have like a gothic personality? Were you dark?
4: I don't know, man.
2: You had a Jim. What I remember about you back those days is you had a dark sense of humor.
4: There's that, but you know, it was it was a sense of humor.
2: Right. You, really dry. Almost like it, like you you looked like at one moment where you, you were going to laugh at somebody or you were going to smack them. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I get told, you know, my wife says I'm like that
2: now. Well, you've evolved, I'm sure.
4: I'm sure. More rings on the tree, Lon.
2: Yeah, man. I I had a really good time with you at the Metallica uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction party. That was fun. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, we're sitting there. I mean, I hadn't seen Jim in a long time. And, and we had both done kind of behind the musics where our hair was gone and we looked different. So I think we knew what each other looked like. Yep. But I hadn't seen him in such a long time. And then he, he, he goes, Lon. I go, no way, fucking Jim. And we sat at that table and we watched like legends move into the room. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, there's Jimmy Page. Go talk to him. And I said, what? Oh, yeah. Okay. In a minute. Not right now. That was fun.
4: Yeah, and uh Yeah, it was fun. But you know what was even more fun than that? What? It was when we met the day before and we went and had a bunch of beers at that sandwich shop.
2: Yes. That was more human.
4: That was fun. Because I got to drink beer twice. <laughs> I scouted it out, remember?
2: Yes, I do. <laughs> I I do clearly remember the street corner. Yeah. I do, yes trying to find a place in cleveland for two guys from california not easy
4: yeah you know just don't say anything just point <laughs> joe perry was there too with jimmy page
2: yeah and ross halfin and and boy i don't know if you witnessed this moment jim but because of, you know you read you read in my my first book where it, and here we are here we come full circle back to shit and i tell the chuck berry shit story <laughs> in there and Jimmy Page is on the bus with me and Joe Perry and Steven Tyler, and I'm telling the shit story, and and Jimmy is laughing out loud. And I hadn't seen Jimmy Page in a number of years, and and you said you you're like egging me. I said I haven't seen him in like ten years. He won't even remember me. He goes, Lon, go, come on, you just just go say say hey, Jimmy. And Joe recognized me instantly and says, Hey, Lon, how's it going? And then I went to Jimmy and I said, Jimmy, Lon friend, and he went, Chuck Berry.
4: See, yeah, everybody remembers you, man.
2: <laughs> they remember me like a headache.
4: Yeah, you know the little golden bottle. What do you expect?
2: It's <laughs> <laughs> such an illusion, man, that I was ever like the you know like the party guy. But it's so another another image created. You're the guy who used to fucking have roundtable drinking sessions with Hetfield and Chef Stefan Shirazzi and you would say, "Take your medicine, my man." That's right. Right?
4: Absolutely. Those were good times.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what was the medicine? It was Jaeger, right? Jaeger. Yeah, because the first shot of Jaeger I ever had was in 1988 in Phoenix, Arizona. I wrote my first road story of Metallica. It was Jason Newstead's homecoming show. And and Kirk Hammett says, you're going to drink Jaeger. I go, what the fuck is Jaeger? I was only you know, at the magazine six months. He goes, what's Jaeger? He goes, you'll want to barf, but it's great.
4: First time I drank it was in New Orleans. I forget who we were on tour with. I don't know if it was... It was an early tour. Yeah. And uh, drank Jägermeister. And Mojo Nixon was playing at some crummy club. (laughs)
2: Mojo Nixon. I love that guy.
4: He was singing that song about, you know, Ronald Reagan, you know, he had the drug testing. He goes, I ain't gonna pee in no cup. (laughs) Not unless Nancy's going to drink it all. Like, you know, I'd already taken like six shots of Jaeger and slamming some, you know, slamming a bunch of beers, man. And I was hammered. <laughs> and then, you know, it was all kind of weird. And then, you know, all of a sudden I woke up and it was the next day and I was sleeping on the floor of somebody's house. <laughs> That's what I remember.
2: Glamorous days. Glamorous.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
4: Times, man. Good people.
2: We're in our 50s, man. We don't. We look back fondly on those days, and and yet I didn't go deep. I never really did. I got me and Brian Slagle got so ripped that night with Metallica at that show in Phoenix that Brian drove the rental car back to the hotel where where Lars wanted to have a, a, another party, and Brian is driving 80 miles an hour. And when we get to the hotel, he stops the car. We get out of the car. I go, weren't you going kind of fast? He goes, Lon, can I share something with you? I said, yeah, Brian. He goes, I'm way too wasted to be driving. (laughs) (laughs) And he had that big round face smile. And I felt gratitude that I was alive.
3: Yeah.
4: You know, folly of of our youth. Yeah, man. What can you say, man? Good times, good people, right?
2: Yeah, and to survive them and... I mean, do you enjoy, you, you got a, when when that record broke, you saw some some success, huh? It was, came at you in a wave, didn't it?
4: Yeah, but, you know, we were all worn out by that time. We'd already been on the road for a year.
2: Yeah, you'd done every tour, all the, you were opening for a lot of bands.
4: Yeah, you know, Billy Idol and uh, I don't know who else. I remember that tour pretty good, but, you know, we'd already been on the road for a year grinding it out, and we weren't, uh, you know...
2: And your record breaks and it's MTV is like the fish is bouncing everywhere in people's living rooms.
4: Yeah, you know, and we weren't uh, touring under the optimum conditions, so we were all pretty tired. Mm-hmm. The record broke, and then you know we find out, okay, record broke. Let's you know start the whole thing over again. It was like, wow, got you know, it was a lot of work. Which at that point.
2: I don't think people really understand that you're on the road every night. It's hard. And especially if you're entertaining yourself, it's harder to wake up, but then you become ubiquitous with a hit song and then the label and everybody wants you out there and you have to go through the grind again. And it's boy, where do you muster the energy for that, man? How did you put that together?
4: I don't know, man. Just keep going.
2: Did you get along with all the guys? Were you like a unit or did, in the group? Yeah.
4: You know, i difficult to deal with personalities. And yep, yep. Like you said, you know, I have a, would you say a...
2: Eccentric.
4: Dark, dry <laughs> sense of humor. Yes. So everybody was probably worried I might, you know, smack them or something. I don't know.
2: <laughs> you used to wear those pink glasses.
4: That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right, you know.
2: Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. It- know, we
4: flew into L.A., uh, you know, the record broke, and, you know, management and medicine said, hey, right on, guys, and we were changing planes to go to Australia.
2: Yeah, that 18-hour flight to Australia.
4: Yep. To uh, Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I'm not complaining or anything, just since you
2: asked. No, but the minute you get off the plane, you're going to have to... Because those fans over there want to see the real deal, the real thing, and you got to muster the energy and the and the passion to play a fucking great gig for them because they deserve it, right?
4: Right. That's right. Yep. You have to deliver.
2: Jim, are you a watermelon farmer?
4: Negative. <laughs> Negative, sir.
2: Yeah. Danielle gave me a note. She's passing me a note. Ask him if he's a watermelon farmer.
4: Oh, no, but, you know, I've, I'm a gardener.
2: Oh, it was a question from Brazil because she's com- communing with people in Sao Paulo and they wanted to know if you were watermelon farmer.
4: No, 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 no. Did
2: you, ever, you played South America?
4: We played South America quite a bit. We were in, uh, we played Rock and Reel with Guns and Roses.
2: Yeah, that infamous show, Matt Sorm's first gig, yeah.
4: Ninety-one, I think it was. Mm-hmm. After that, uh, I don't know, we did a bunch of other stuff, and then we ended up, this is all the same time, I think, that uh, that uh, all the same thing we were talking about, about how the record broke. I think it's the same deal. Mm-hmm. We went to South America, and then we went back for like six weeks, and we spent six weeks in like, I don't know, we were in, in Brazil for a long time.
2: Did you ever have any near-death experiences there?
4: Oh, absolutely! Yeah.
2: Can you share one with the, with the listeners?
4: I don't know. I think just being there is a near death experience. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, otherwise, I, I really can't think of any. <laughs> Most of the time, you know, the near death experiences are in, you realize it in retrospect. Yes.
2: Yes. But
4: uh, I don't think that there was there was any.
2: Yeah. Did you enjoy your time off the stage? Because I know you've taken many years. Not you know you weren't in the faith no more reunion you weren't part of that so you you, you what'd you do with your time did you, you just did business and collected thoughts and enjoyed a normal life
4: yeah sorta of, you know my time was a lot more of my of my own right so I did uh, a lot of things that I wanted to do like you know I went camping that yeah. kind of stuff a lot.
2: Where'd you like to go camping?
4: I like to go up to the uh, uh, the eastern side of the Sierra Nevada.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And there's a, you know, I like to hang around over there.
3: Mm-hmm. So
2: I
4: did that, and uh, I got married and, you know, had kids and stuff.
2: Yeah, great. That's awesome.
4: And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, 10 years went by. Just like, you know. Yeah. The genie was out of the bottle, man. Yeah, yeah. Snap of the fingers. It just went by.
2: I know. I know, buddy. My daughter's 24.
4: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it all takes a lot of attention. Yeah. So that's what I did. And I don't really know what I did, you know, to tell you the truth. (laughs) So I think I sort of gave up on the business for a while because, uh, you know, I got pretty worn out with uh, Faith No More.
2: I think somebody who is an authentic person as you are can 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 easily give up on a business like the music business mm. when priorities shift as you go through your life
4: well also I lost my perspective. I was not able to look at it the, the right way yeah any longer yeah so I decided to leave it alone for a while
2: yeah put some distance between you and these family members and then you just move on. Did, do you stay in touch with any of the old band members
4: not at all None of, uh, when I left the band it was not a pleasant
2: yeah I understand parting. I understand
4: so no I haven't I have not attempted to uh, keep in touch with them I haven't avoided being in touch with them either
2: but you don't but you're not the kind of guy who holds bitterness
4: well I don't know you know you try not to right I mean right. everybody strives to not that right Mm mm-hmm so but you know i was pretty disappointed we all worked very hard to build a business right and then you know sort of frittered it away yeah which you know a lot of hard work yeah and we were very lucky to enjoy the success that we did Mm -hmm. you know that's the way i look at it i I look at we were very fortunate to you know it takes you know you can you can be good, but, you know, you have to be lucky, too. Right time, the right people were yeah. involved.
2: celestial alignment, I know.
4: Yeah. You know, so, I was a little disappointed. I understand. But, uh, and, you know, it wasn't a pleasant situation. But, uh, you know, now it makes a big difference if somebody really wants you to, to, uh, to play. And, uh. So that's why I'm rocking out with Infectious Grooves.
2: Because this is the thing that you weren't actively out there seeking or promoting. It came to you quite righteously, right?
4: It came, yeah. Yeah. It came and got me.
2: Right. And it felt good because these were people that just said, hey, Jim, we fucking, we love you. We want you to like bring your axe back. I think that's a great move, man, because when you're out of the mix for so long, sometimes... People they just forget that you even play guitar. Yep, you're off the radar. Trust me, you're talking to somebody who knows what it's like to be off the fucking radar.
4: Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I like the way you're off the radar, though. You're off the radar, but you're on the fucking radar.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm li- I'm living more genuine uh, life and I pick pick my spots now. I, I don't really chase anything, and I think that's why. You and I stay in touch because, believe me, th- everyone might have called me friend back in those days. The fa- hundreds of artists who were on my pages, but you can count on a couple of hands how many I call friend now. Who still? Well, you know. I, I think there. You're
4: being too hard on yourself. Yeah, maybe. You um, know, I didn't. I, I always thought of you as being, you know, genuine. You know, if you're at, if we were at the the Hall of Fame deal, and I said Lon, you said the fuck are you then you know a little
2: different <laughs> i recall hugging you man yeah right and that wasn't a gothic thing to do <laughs> it's
4: all
2: right i could have gotten smacked no
4: man it's shit's good for america
2: <laughs> it's, it's good for america and good for the world because <laughs> we're america we lead the world in goodness <laughs> well
4: yeah i don't know man
2: i don't know either bro <laughs> fuck <laughs> we're not going to get political. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, man. let me now. All right. Listen, I know you got fucking shit to do. This is fun.
4: Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on.
2: Well, thank you. Thanks for...
4: And I know we were supposed to be on a couple weeks ago. Ah, you know? It's old news. If it was totally my fault.
2: It's old news.
4: I told you that, you know, I have a some sort of disability, I think. <laughs> and uh i was trying to organize something and i got stopped up
2: <laughs> it's it's just great it's always better like when andrew dice clay flaked on me and he 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 made it way better because he felt and i i never make people feel like any guilt ever i just that's not how i roll i'm i'm cool you were getting you were like on the eve of your first fucking gig with this ba- a big gig with the band and I didn't I wasn't conscious of the calendar. So that was my fault really to book you then right around that date.
4: No, that was good. That was so like that's like the perfect time I thought.
2: Oh. Okay, then it was your fault.
4: Yeah, I thought <laughs> you were doing that, you know, to cuz of that.
2: I was I was thinking like an old record guy I'll got to promote this. Help them promote it. You uh-huh. guys had that fucker sold out. You didn't need my help. That's for sure. Oh, uh, awesome. Yeah, I was. I heard such good things. I wasn't here. I wish I would have been here. It was a good time. I live in the desert now, Jim. So when you come to the city of Neon, I live near the mountain. All right. And I'd I'd love to see you.
4: I drive around out there sometimes.
2: Okay. That's it.
4: Well, appreciate you having me on. Man. Thanks, man. W- always a pleasure.
2: My my pleasure too. Oh, wait,
4: I want to say something about dice.
2: Okay, go ahead.
4: I saw him in that Woody Allen movie. Yeah blue jasmine
2: he was terrific
4: you know and i usually don't like to watch woody Allen movies they make me feel very uncomfortable (laughs) but that one you know i sort of uh you know i I felt greasy but i sort of connected with that movie really it's great
2: that's a dark film man kate that 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 performance
4: yeah, that movie's a good one. Yeah,
2: and Dice was great. I got to rap with him about that performance when I saw him in uh, Vegas. At his he plays the vinyl, in inside the Hard Rock, and we we hung out after one of his shows, and we reconnected. And he said that that cha- it really altered his life. Wow. W- w- Woody calling him and finding him for that role for that role. Yeah, awesome. I know, you're awesome. Thanks, Jim Martin. Faith no more, infectious grooves. That's it. I'm going to play some War Pigs for you. Right on. Okay, buddy. Take care. Good night. Bye, Jim.
5: Destruction of death's construction In the fields the bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds turning. This is where the body's burning. No more war pigs have the power. Hand of God has struck the hour. Day of judgment. against his wings.
2: Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast, Jim Martin's monstrous guitar licks, Faith No More covering Ozzy's War Pigs, as they did that October night in 1990 at the R.I.P. Magazine party where uh, at the end of their set, Faith No More perfo- headlined that night and Motorhead played that night. Megadeth showed up that night and, and did four songs. <clears throat> and... Uh, Ozzy got on stage and did War Pigs with Faith No More. Oh, prior earlier in the set, Young MC came on and sang uh, Epic with uh, Mike Patton, and then uh, and James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett got on stage during War Pigs, and then later in that night was the GAC, the infamous GAC jam, which was Sebastian Bach, Axl Rose slash James Hetfield. Kirk Hammett, Lars Ulrich, and Duff McKagan. Yeah, I threw I threw little parties back in the day. Does it mean anything now? Well, like Jim Martin says, I think you're I think you're kinda hard on you're hard on yourself, man. Yeah, well, that was a quarter century ago. <clears throat> They're all millionaires and um living by the mountain in Nevada the Nevada Desert. It's all good. It really is. Cause I'm writing articles now. And I wrote one about my friend Carrie Simon, the rock and roll chef. You gotta evolve. That's it. It's evolution, man. Revolution is good for some. Evolution. That's what I'm about. <clears throat> so one of Carrie's favorite guitar players is Tommy Bolin. And we had taught, we would, you know, during the interviews, I'm just hanging with the play so much music in his house. We play Tommy Boland. <clears throat> Tommy Boland died young. He, he didn't realize his full potential. But, fuck, he made a couple of records that have been in my rack, in my A-list for, oh, decades. And one of them is Private Eyes record. So I'm gonna close tonight and I'm gonna send this out to the chef. Uh, <clears throat> my brother and I used to air guitar this in our room. It's a classic. It's it's got pe- so many pieces to it, but it all comes together in one of the fucking coolest jams. It's just a wicked song. It's called Post Toasty. And it's Tommy Mullen, and this is the February seventeenth edition of Energize the Lawn Friend Podcast. I'll see you next week, dudes.